welcome back to our bonus features podcast. I am for, I think, the first time in the history of the podcast, your host, Matt Eckhart. And I am really excited because I am joined here today by a very special guest. Mm -hmm. Longtime host, first time guest. Mm -hmm. Yes. Ed Grover. Hi. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. (laughs) It's such an honor to be here. Yeah, man. It's good. Hey, can you just kind of... Explain for uh, our audience uh, where we are, paint a word picture maybe. Yeah, you know, um, we are in one of our family's many attics. Um, we uh, we measure affluence in Oregon City by attics, yeah, and right. we are doing pretty well. Um, this is what we refer to as the never-ending never ending story attic, which is the unfinished attic. Mm. Uh, it's got a big window here, and we are, I mean, guys, just picture, I mean, imagine forts, rafters uh an old what is that like a 10 inch tube tv down there yeah with a little atari um we've got some holiday decorations that are being stored and um some old paintings and uh so the and and a sleeping dog obviously so this is the attic where we go when we want to read stories like the never-ending story uh as opposed to the finished attic which is really just like a big long playroom. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um and uh but this this room is actually the uh the recording studio for Yeah. We were we were walking in here and Ed was telling me a story about how uh last week uh Ellie was recording a song in the attic and, and Tegan, uh their son asked where she was at and Ed said, Well she's recording in the attic and he said which attic? And so mm-hmm. you, you you know, that question of when did you realize you were either poor or rich growing up, uh I think for Tegan will be the time he had to clarify which attic his mom recording a record yeah. in. So we're here today, um, recording instead of at the church or anything. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what the difference will be, you know, yeah. in the tone of this yeah. being in such a magical and, uh, friendly space. Yeah. Yeah. It is warm, but I think that'll, uh, that'll help us get done a little bit quicker. So, so yeah. So, uh, if you guys were able to listen to the sermon, you know that uh, we talked uh, this week about Acts chapter 4, the first 31 verses, I think it was, in, in Acts 4. And uh, we looked there at the first time that the church has to deal with uh, persecution. And uh, with Peter and John primarily there in front of the Sanhedrin. And uh, we talked about uh, the boldness uh, that they display, uh, that they um, are given and granted, as well as the boldness uh, that they prayed for, and, and God's intention for that, as well as, as how He gives it and um, and who He gives it to, and, and we kind of went through all that in the sermon. But uh, we thought we'd start off uh, talking just a little bit about uh, kind of some of maybe the more historical uh, background stuff that's going on here that we weren't able to talk about on uh, Sunday during the uh, sermon. Uh, just uh, some of the more logistical things to give you a better idea of, of what's going on. Hopefully that'll help us as we talk, uh, delve into some more stuff that, um, again, we weren't even able to talk about on Sunday. And um, one of the things that we see uh, going on here, I, I think that stuck out to me as I was uh, really uh, digging into this last week was just the idea of there in verse 2 where it tells us that um, because the Sadducees uh, were greatly annoyed that the teaching of Peter and uh, John uh, about Jesus and his resurrection, uh, that's the reason they arrested him. 
that here they are living in a time where uh, a, a ruling party can just simply be greatly annoyed at what it is you're saying. Uh, and so they arrest you. And I, I'm so thankful I don't live during a time like that because I think, Ed, if we lived in a time where just because you annoyed someone, uh, you could be arrested, you and me would probably both be in quite a bit of trouble. So, right? Yeah, we are very annoying people. <laughs> At um, least according to our wives. <laughs> uh, Matt, what is, how common, I don't know if you got a sense of this from what you were reading, but do you think that what happened with these um, apostles was normal? Like, is this something that would happen um, a lot, that would happen regularly, that people would get, you know, pulled up and put on trial and, and you know, have to defend what they're saying and have these possible... Or do you even know, like, what, yeah, what they would be fearing would happen to them? Or Yeah, yeah. I, 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 think, I think with what we see you know, through the New Testament, I, I think we can, I think we can probably surmise, there's nothing that I saw that definitively says, like, this was a common occurrence, and yet, with we see with what ease, um, and regularly, people like, um, John the Baptist are arrested, and then ultimately beheaded with, for really, ultimately, no reason at all, um, as well as, as, as we go on in the New Testament, the amount of arrest, uh, for, for the apostles, um, and obviously Paul and his writings and how often he's in jail, how often we see uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees wanting to arrest or, or apprehend Jesus. And yet uh, because of the crowds, they feel like they're held back. They can't do that sort of thing. So it, it does, it does seem like this was a pretty stock go-to reaction uh, for anyone that they deemed um, as a threat to, you know, their possible power saying things that they're against. I think especially probably, in in Jerusalem at this time during um during the the time that they would have been doing this where it was overcrowded um heavily populated their fear of if a if a revolt were to start that Rome would come down pretty he- heavy handed on them um they were probably really quick maybe a little trigger happy uh to put down anything that they saw that could you know lead to something like this which was the reason for doing this with doing what they did with Jesus um and so probably wanting to you know do the same thing with uh his followers as well um i i think and one of the things that we know too is that it's it's kind of easy to read over and not really understand why Luke points this out but uh, it says that um because they had arrested them in the evening, they, they held them. Uh, and then it was the next morning that the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together. And there's actually a Jewish law where any kind of trial or questioning in this way, that seems to be a, a pretty formal thing. Um, it had to be done during the daylight. It wasn't allowed to be conducted during the night. And I think, you know, that probably has to do with the, you know, people um, that could be involved and be there. Um, but also I, I think it, it, it it goes to as well the idea of during the daylight everything's out in the open it's done the right way where during night uh, obviously things are concealed and hidden and so when when i when i found that out it obviously takes you back to jesus's trial and and being done during the night and the nefarious nature of everything that goes on uh with his trial his arrest his trial and ultimately his execution and so um they they had rules in place for uh, where how these things would be done I think also what we see is, you know, it tells us that Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, all all who were the priestly family were there. And so 
this is a pretty big deal that actually Annas was uh, the the uh, acting high priest, and yet Caiaphas had been um, deposed uh, as high priest a few years earlier uh, by the Romans, and yet he was still involved and active uh, in the Sanhedrin. And actually, all the Jews uh, saw and um, treated Caiaphas as the actual high priest. So that you see, it's not just simply one figurehead or a few people that anybody that is anyone who's anyone was there at at this trial. I think one of the questions I had through it was, is this something that would, is this what they intended? Was their idea to, you know, pull them aside and talk to them and figure these things out? Or because it happened in the evening, uh, they had to hold them till the next day. You get this influx of, of highly powerful people uh, at this trial of, of uh, Peter and John, and it really takes things up to the next level. But uh, we see that that's what happens, um, and, and then uh, as we talked about in detail on Sunday, how where this goes, because it is um, things have been ratcheted up because of just the presence of Annas, Caiaphas, all of these people. And, uh, and then also what they want James and John to do, the amount of threats that they levy against them. Um, and then we know uh, from Sunday, uh, James and John's response. Matt, have you ever, did you watch Star Trek The Next Generation? A little bit, up, yeah. Growing up? Mm-hmm. A little yeah. bit, yeah. Um, I watched that religiously with my parents growing up, um, and uh, or like once a week when it was on. Yeah, you know? yeah. And um, I remember this one episode where there it was like from the perspective of like a bunch of younger people that worked on the ship who were not like important at all mm-hmm. they were just kind of like doing that. and then like in that episode there was like one or two times where they would cross paths with like the regular star trek people and and it was like oh my gosh there he is there's the there's the commander there's the ca- whatever yeah, yeah and it wasn't until you see that episode that you realize like oh so like the guys that I'm watching on this show are like the biggest deal on this on the ship and everybody else it, the ship is full of like thousands of other people who don't matter that mm-hmm. much compared to these guys yeah and um and it's kind of funny because you just are watching it and you're thinking like these are just the normal people that serve on the ship and I guess I was saying that cuz I think like when you think about this um this like these trials and these things that happen in Jerusalem during holy days I mean, we are used to hearing about, you know, these guys, these Pharisees, yeah. these these Sadducees, these guys who, you know, um, they like pop up a lot in the Bible. And you think, oh, they're pretty typical guys. But I, I imagine for Peter and John to be hauled up in front of like the leaders of this group, you yeah. know, this church. Yeah is a is a huge deal um and it's like you you these guys were like celebrities you know and for them to be called out and to have the kind of i mean as you talked about boldness towards those guys like i mean that it's like the equivalent of like i mean probably not it would not be the equivalent of like the pope but the idea being if the pope walked in the room would you really say to him what you'd say to the other catholic priest that you're so that you're shooting your mouth off to yeah, you yeah. know yeah. and so you think about like these guys coming on trial and having these these leaders of the faith and this this one that's deposed but still so influential that he's involved in everything they let him be a part of everything yeah. and run things from behind the scenes and um and that that doesn't really like that doesn't really stop these guys from just being totally honest and talking to them like they're regular people. Yeah, you know? I mean, and this is like total conjecture on my part, but I, I have to think that any time that you know you you had you know both 
Caiaphas and Annas like sitting in the same room and, and that sort of thing, you knew this is a big deal. This is um, we're we're in a heap, of, especially if you're in Peter and John's uh, spot at this point. We're we're in quite a bit of trouble. This isn't just them kind of wanting to have a friendly chat. So the head of our denomination, the general superintendent, pretty intimidating. Okay, yeah. the Grand Poobah, as they, they call him, <laughs> yeah. um, is is Reverend the Most Reverend Brian Eckhart, reverend which is which is your dad. Yeah, that's, um, that's him. And um, he. Uh, I met him the first time when I was basically kind of sworn in, you know, yeah. um, at OCC. But, you know, so my, my boss is like Randy. Yeah. And, you know, Randy's, I mean, his name's Randy. You know, he's, he's Randy. <laughs> yeah. You know, every time you meet with Randy, the meeting starts with him going, did I call this meeting or did you? <laughs> yeah. He's like all over the place. Not a very intimidating guy. Randy's yeah. Canadian. He's like so nice, oh, right? yeah. But you betcha. But like yeah. to to cross paths with your dad, one of the most serious people ever, as like the guy in charge of the whole thing. Like I I I you know, there's this uh, once or twice I think Matt has like intentionally led me into situations where I was just like so like intimidated to be there with his dad, knowing that it's like kind of scary because of his position. But yeah, you know, these are like the people in those positions are. Um, it's a really, really big deal. And one of the things about Acts that's difficult when you work through it is trying to get a sense of just how big of a deal mm -hmm. these things were. Because to us, who are used to reading the Bible and reading these stories a lot, it's just like, oh, yeah, and then there's those guys, and they went and did that thing, and then that thing happened. And, you know, it's it's so, yeah, this this trial, this kind of, like, event happening, especially in Jerusalem during these times, I think is a really, really big deal. Peter and John are basically being called up to like the big time yeah. and they are completely on stage and in front of other people. And they're also being confronted by some very knowledgeable and respected and intimidating guys. Well learned. I mean, yeah, it's just, yeah. So, I mean, can you imagine like, you know, uh, the power it takes to be thrown out by the ruling authority of your day from your position and yet everybody's like, but yeah, we still respect him more than the guy that's there now. And so we want him to still be, you know, involved in that. So, I mean, that is, that's a level of power that's pretty unheard of. So um, I can only imagine what, what it was like to be there. I hope yeah. to reach that, by the way. <laughs> You're working on that's that. That's how yeah. I plan on going out. Yeah. I plan on being kicked out. But everyone's saying, no way. Yeah, yeah. You know? You're just, you're the deposed pastor sitting on council. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 So beloved by the people. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> we'll edit that out. Where do we go from here? <laughs> yeah. um, so some something that I had um, I'd thought about in the... Um, in this passage as you were talking about it was just some of the things that changed in these guys' lives during the Gospels and now, because mm. you see such different people, it seems, especially mm -hmm. with Peter. You know, Peter's just like the punching bag in the Gospels. You know, oh, yeah. he's like the big goofball who's always putting his foot in his mouth. And, um, and I mean, pretty much when Jesus says, Satan, get thee behind me, you're like, <laughs> oh, man, this is not going the way I thought it was. Going. I don't want to be a Peter. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. that's exactly what you're that's what I, I, I like to think of, like, titles for that sermon, you know, like, get thee behind me, Satan. One would be, like, not how I thought today would go, <laughs> yeah. you know, or, like, like Jesus says that and then the record scratches. You're probably wondering how I got here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. So one of the things that changed, obviously, is Jesus isn't around anymore. Peter and John are on their own. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we think of boldness and what it takes to be bold, 
you don't often think about being alone. Yeah. But it seems like with the disciples, they grew in their boldness and courage um, when they were empowered by the Holy Spirit and not watching Jesus do things, and when they knew that they needed to be the ones to do things. Yeah. And and I think that in a lot of ways, when you gave that example of when we were walking on the promenade and, and that man was gonna getting ready to jump, um, you know, when you're walking by and there's three of you, um, and then you know there's other people who are going to be walking by. Yeah, you know that's the big thing. Is yeah. you go well. I mean, if I don't do anything, somebody else probably yeah. will. Yeah, yeah. But I think for the for Peter, um, it's it seems clear that he is more courageous, knowing that um, he's the one that needs to represent this. That it's not that Jesus is there. And I, and I guess I take that as an encouragement because a lot of times I think our courage and boldness is tied to not being alone. Yeah. It's like, um, oh, I could be more courageous. I could be more bold. I could be more confident if um, I wasn't dot, 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 basically. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What you see with these guys overall is just the circumstances don't have to be perfect for them to be bold. In fact, the harder the circumstances were, the more they, they seemed to step out in faith. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I think even to be able to speak to it from like, our perspective of being pastors of how how much I know that before I was a pastor, how many times I thought, well, that's you have you have pastors to do that that those sorts of things. You have pastors to share the gospel. You have pastors to make great gospel presentations to to speak to unbelievers. Hey, if I have a friend that has questions, I point them to a pastor. Which I mean, yeah, that's I mean that's why we do this, and that's one of the things we're here for. And yet, how many times maybe that God wants you to do something? You're like, well, we have I have pastors to do that. And then once instantly becoming a pastor, the realization of I don't have that excuse anymore. That there there isn't I I can't say well you know that's for the pastors to do. Oh crap, I am one now. So um, that that sort of thing of, of knowing, it, but in doing that and not having that excuse anymore of how it makes you lean more into the Holy Spirit and, and the leading of the Holy Spirit and asking God for the right words to say as well as the courage to say. I, I think I was, I went back uh, today, actually, I was listening to the last part of your um, message uh, last week. And... Um, That's good. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know... It's a good thing to do. <laughs> um, and I... Uh, where, where you talked about talking to that guy and uh, his fiance about their living situation and, and the courage to say what you know they're not going to want to hear and all the fear that comes up as, you know, in that of are they going to reject me? I'm, I'm going to ruin this thing for them, all that stuff. And yet knowing what you have to stand for and, and what you have to talk to them about because it's actually in their best interest and it's what God wants you to speak to them about. And... um just not you, you just want to be able to say like well somebody else will do that or it's up to somebody and yet god giving you the 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 courage to say those sorts of things and i think he wants that for all of us yeah i think i think we would define courage often as doing sort of extraordinary things mm-hmm. um and i think that what you see here more is that courage is doing um it's sort of being confronted with extraordinary circumstances and not just running away screaming. Yeah. Um, because the prayer is simply not what it what it isn't is them praying, God stop this from happening. Yeah. You know, you talked about that a lot. You know, um, 
God, just stop this from happening. I mean, the courage that it takes for a Christian to not simply pray, God, stop this from happening. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. I think that's definitely step number one. Yeah. And it isn't that these guys are so eloquent, they did all the right things. And in the same way, when you're walking by a situation or something that's happening, it has much more to do with the fact that you don't simply run away from it. You mm -hmm. know, you are there in it. Yeah. Um, that um that actually does something and not oh look you have the right words to say the right thing to do and i just think that we we make it into something that's so much bigger and in doing so we don't acknowledge something that we all know is kind of true which is most people run from hard situations as soon as they can yeah are christians any different well maybe we're just the ones that uh think that we have god to stop those things for us you know god stop this for me yeah. you know i can pray to you and you talk to any growth group leader you talk to any small group leader any bible study leader they will tell you about all the prayer requests for you know i once had i once had a small group leader tell me that there was a person in a small group who was praying every week for a leaky board in their attic and um he was like i don't know where to go from here you know mm -hmm. like we're praying for leaky boards in my mm -hmm. group you yeah. know um, but, you know, praying for, you know, a cat that needs braces or, you know, your dog sprained ankle or something like the whole, like, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we had a, we had a, we had a girl, we, I went to, uh, in high school, a prayer breakfast every like Tuesday morning. And we had a girl that would always pray for like the most like mundane, ridiculous things. And so my joke was, uh, that, you know, we would be praying for the fact that her hamster has gas. So yeah, so just kind of. It's like, yeah. um, I mean, the, the fact is like, yes, God is personal and yes, God cares about the details of our lives, mm -hmm. but does God really want us to just be a group of people that walk around asking him to stop everything that's happening? Well, it, it goes um, back to the idea of the, the thing we focus on in our prayer life gets magnified in our life. And and so we, when when that is the entirety of our prayer life, these things become so huge and ultimately like the the bigger our problems and especially the bigger we make the mundane problems of our life not to minimize anybody's issues but the smaller god's going to become because these things get so big that we're like how could any anything ever overcome it that sort of thing and then eventually we're going to get to a place it, 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 that's the scary thing is prayer can actually bring us to a place if we are focusing on these things to such a degree it's prayer that can bring us to a place where we stop believing that god can actually do what he said he can do um the um yeah i the the other thing that i had thought about in in the message was just the the other change that you see happen is a change in peter's confidence and i think that that um you know you have this terrified peter in the account of him denying jesus and you have a guy there who is pretty clearly worried that these people can either arrest him or kill him mm -hmm. like he's just He's like, listen, I'm not going to get in this because I don't want to die. I don't mm -hmm. want to get arrested. Even though Jesus had told him all over the place, like, not to be afraid, not to fear. Um, then Jesus is killed. Then Jesus re is resurrected. And now Peter is not just... Um, Peter's basically seen now that it is true. Jesus has conquered everything. Yeah. And so you see in Peter a confidence that he just doesn't have anything to be afraid of because Jesus has conquered it all, yeah. that he can confront the very same guys and he can have the very same issues come up and he can handle it totally differently because this isn't just theory anymore. This isn't just a thing he's trying to trust about what Jesus says to him. This is like historical fact and it's happened. Mm -hmm. And I think about the the huge benefit that we have 
in that we can read these things knowing their historical fact and they've happened. We're not we're not being asked to trust in things that haven't yet even totally happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet the difficulty in having that kind of confidence. But it's just so clear that he it's and when you think about it, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, that kind of makes sense. You know, he's going. Uh, yeah, I mean, Jesus says he can do these things and these things will happen, but that sounds like a lot even for Jesus. And then fast forward and you go, uh, well, okay, so Jesus really could conquer everything. I really don't have anything I need to be afraid of. These guys can't hurt me. Yeah. You know, they yeah. couldn't hurt him. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, a, uh, it's just a really, it's also like when it comes to us having courage and being courageous and having that kind of boldness, you go, well, um, like, what are the things that I know to be true? Um, and, uh, I can't have courage and boldness if I don't believe that, um, that Jesus has defeated everything, including death. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have like somewhere in your life where like in moments where maybe you're tempted to not be as bold or or courageous or say, I know that you're never tempted not to say things. Um, yeah, that's, that's hard. That's never a struggle for you. I, I, I I had to go sleep on the couch two nights ago because I was (laughs) yelling so much in my sleep. So this is how bad I've gotten is that I talk so much, even in my sleep, you get kicked out. Ellie's like, I can't do this. You know, in those moments, maybe where you are struggling for like, maybe that belief in the resurrection, like the, that he has overcome all these things is, is there anything that you like, is there a common thing that you can go back to and say, okay, I know because of this. Yeah. That I, I think all the time about Jesus talking to Nicodemus and saying to him, you know, because you believed me in, in this, in a little, believe me now in this basically, um, uh, you know, cause Nicodemus is like, Jesus, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Born again. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, and and Jesus basically says, um, if you've if you ha- if you believe in me because you've seen these things, then use that as like the fuel to believe in these other things that yeah. you haven't yet seen. That's how it works for me every time. Is it's like, well, here are the things that God has done mm-hmm. that are that are uh, you know undisputed that that I cannot doubt you know, and so knowing that. It gives me confidence in these things that God will do, that he says he will do, even though I haven't experienced them. And I, I, that's where I think it's, it's, it's interesting, the Christian faith, how, I mean, to a certain degree, it does ultimately depend on a supernatural reality. It depends on, you can study God, you can use apologetics to answer all the, all the uh, you know, arguments and doubts and everything that you would have. And yet, really, if you have, like, seen God work and move, then in a lot of ways, those will be the things that, that, you know, you'll go, well, I mean, I no, I can't answer this question right now, or no, I can't figure that thing out yet. But it doesn't mean I don't think that God is going to do what he says he's going to do, because he's like shown me in these other ways. And I've just, I've seen God do things that give me confidence that he's real and that he's going to make good on his word. And so when I have a hard time believing it, I just go, all right, well, remember that. You know, remember, mm-hmm. and and that's basically how it seems to work in the Bible. You know, the Israelites, Ebenezer's, things like that. It's like, just remember, guys. Just remember what God did. Remember what He did. Remember what He did. You know, um, and I think we. I was talking to a pastor um, in our denomination. We, um, Randy, uh, just another Randy. Um, <laughs> there's a lot and, of them uh, flying around. Gosh, there's so many Randys. <laughs> um, and um, he was talking about. They were they were going on a family vacation, him and his wife and their boys, and they had this like 
um, big container of rocks, you know, with like words written on them. And um, uh, he was saying like, yeah, what we do is we basically like, if, if something happens throughout the year that is like a significant thing, then we write it down on a rock and we put it in this thing. And then when we go on vacation every year, we, um, we look back on those things. And he said, it's amazing the stuff that you just completely and totally forget about. And that as a family to be able to say, like, remember that God did that is really vital. And I thought, man, that's a really good, that's a really good practice. That's a really good thing to do because you, you, I never think to do things like that as a family. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's essentially the point of, mm-hmm. you know, remembering. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, it's, it's why so many times we see in the Old Testament them building altars, right? It is these remembrances that they can physically come back to and be reminded of. There are 12 stones somewhere on the Jordan Riverbed <laughs> that, that they can remember what God did there and the times that they're most prone to forget. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that'll uh, that'll do it for today. And Dur- During this podcast, my dog has... Yeah. Had some like really aggressive running dreams. Yeah. I don't know if you've caught this, but he has been in like full sprint a couple of times while sleeping. Well, we'd like to thank Barry for being in the uh, sound booth, uh, (laughs) turning the knobs and flipping the switches. And uh, we'd like to thank today's sponsor, um, LaCroix. Uh, tastes like someone was thinking of a fruit when they made it. So the description I've heard is it's like drinking water, and then someone yells a fruit from the <laughs> yeah, other room. Yeah, exactly. That's what it tastes yeah, like. yeah. Just oh. faint enough to. Lime? Oh yeah, that's what that would taste. I'm like. thinking of a lime. So there you go. So, yeah. uh, but thank you guys so much for being with us today. We hope this finds you well and safe, and hopefully it won't be too long before we can get back together because we do. Mi- uh, miss being with you all, but uh, I think the thing that me and Hannah really do miss, if we're being honest, is uh, childcare, and uh, we need that so badly on Sunday mornings. So, all right, and with that, we will wrap this thing up. All right, so long. I don't know if you're finding the same problem, Ed, but uh, man, getting through a Sunday service with kids, it's rough. So. I like how you say that, like <laughs> as if I would even do that. <laughs> As if Ellie and I are sitting down on Sunday mornings. We ch- I, we try to have their Christian coloring book pages. We try to every Sunday, and I don't know why we haven't learned yet just to give it up. So, so yeah. Sue keeps refusing to come over, <laughs> and she's. I'm like, thanks for the bag. No, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate it, Sue. But you know what would be the best thing you yeah. could do is come and do these things with yeah. my kids. Yeah. Having her come over would that be an abuse of power, or is that you know? I mean, if I if I said you you know you have to, but I wouldn't want word of that to get back to Randy. Yeah, exactly. Which one? Yeah, Yeah. because Randy is not a guy to mess with. you